And welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 125. As we continue down our road here on Radio MVP, should be a lot of fun here today. Anthony and I uh, talking a little sports. We're talking about the Browns, Notre Dame, Ohio State, uh, the YSU Penguins basketball team, and uh, just about whatever else comes about over the next uh, hour, maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more. Who knows? But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, Merry Christmas to all. And we probably won't talk to you until after the new year. So let me wish you all a wonderful, good new year. And with that, let's bring in my partner and friend, uh, Anthony. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Uh, hope our listeners had a great Christmas and a happy new year. And uh, You know, like you said, we're we're getting into playoff time for football. Uh, the, and the bowl games have already started. The college football playoff begins uh, a week, a little less than a week, Next Friday, it's on a Friday night, and then uh, the NFL should be starting the week after that. So, um, and college basketball is, you know, Tim, I, I, tell, I was talking to somebody last night, and it's been, I love watching college shoots. I mean, I could watch five college shoots games a week and not get tired of it all, and I just can't get into it this year at all. No fans. Just, it, it just seems extremely disjointed to me. Like, I can watch our Penguins, but besides that, it's like, eh. Like it doesn't do it's it difficult. Yeah, it's difficult yeah, without it fans. You know, I you know when the sports returned this past summer, and uh, you heard the uh, the fake crowd. Now you know why they put that on the television. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was never a big fan of it, but I as time went by, I accepted it a lot more, and it makes sense. Uh, it's it's just it's a weird atmosphere. It's almost like a scrimmage atmosphere versus a uh, competition atmosphere. Uh, And let's face it, the reason there's games is because there's fans. And not to have fans available to go makes it difficult for everybody. And I'm sure the level of interest is not the same for many people. Uh, Those who, uh, you know, attend a game, now watching it on TV, Mm -hmm. or even those who watch it on TV, not hearing the natural sound it's it's, it's different it's mm-hmm. you know there's a reason why anthony you and i are in a booth on a friday night that we put out a crowd mic uh yeah there's a reason exactly. for it and you know there's a reason why when we don't have it it sounds kind of odd kind of kind of in a can or uh yeah you know mm-hmm. not as authentic and it's just that's that that's the way it works um you know you want that interaction with people you know, like I said, it's been a trying year for everybody. Uh, the NBA, you know, just came back and they're having that problem, you know, uh-huh. um, with very small crowds or no crowds. Same with college basketball, as you mentioned. And it's going to be this way for another six months, if not longer, probably. And it's, it's frustrating. It's hard. Uh, I think the crowds will get bigger as the months go by. Yeah. Because I think things are now putting, putting in place that, will allow that to happen, but it's not going to happen overnight. And 2021 is going to be better than 2020 as a sports fan, but not, so my point is a, a giant leap, but I think we're going to take some steps along the way and climb yes. that ladder. And we may get to the top. We just, we really may get back to the top of the ladder where everything's back the way it was in 2019, but I'm not uh, ready to climb that ladder that fast yet. Uh, let's take one step at a time and see where it takes us. And, you know, 
that's just where we're at. It's it's boring. It's frustrating. Yeah, we've all said the same things over and over. You hear it on the radio. You hear it on television. Uh, you hear it on podcasts. Uh, we know what's going on. We know what we have to do. Uh, we all have some fun with uh, with our fandom different ways, but it is it's just uniquely different this year. And hopefully, with a little uh, perseverance and goodwill, and uh, continue success in this scientific world that will continue to move forward to a more normalized uh, relationship with sports. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right, Tim. And, uh, you know, uh, somebody last year had made mention to me. They said, why do you, and I had, and I forget what team, what sport we were talking about. And I said, you know, fans can make the difference between a win and a loss. It's not going to be the sole reason why, but, um, fans can play a big part in a team's success, and I'm, and I and I equated it to you know, although the sample size has been smaller than we like, uh, there's a reason why YSU still has the longest home playoff win streak in uh, Division One AA or FCS because when this community gets behind this team and packs Stanbaugh, you know, Tim, you've seen it as a media, uh personnel and as a fan it's almost impossible to win a stamp on the playoffs but that community gets behind you uh, you and i saw it firsthand last year in the right state game uh that crowd was as loud as i've heard a ysu crowd in any sport in a long time and, and it clearly made a difference um it just looked it caused right state to look out of sorts uh, you know we see it in all sports you're right it it a crowd does make a difference. It puts the opposing, the opposition team or the the traveling team, in a different state of mind. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a you know some athletes are very good at tuning out the crowd and focusing on the task at mm-hmm. hand. Others are ride the emotional wave of it. Yeah, and they have to get through the first quarter or two quarters or even three mm-hmm. quarters before they feel comfortable playing the game on the road it, it it does make a difference and you know you brought up YSU a perfect example would probably be the 1992 championship game in, in Huntington where you know Marshall got out to that huge lead and it that crowd was a hundred percent behind it and it was a small YSU contingent there because they sold all the tickets in Marshall uh in Huntington uh I think YSU only had like maybe 3,000 tickets for the entire game and there was just this little sliver, and that's where yeah. I was at. You know, that was red. Yeah. Everything else was green. Yeah. And, you know, you could hear a pin drop in the second half when YSU started making that that comeback. And the crowd that was YSU fans really energized, I think, some of the players on that team in the second half when they started making that comeback. But in that yeah, first half, that first half, uh, there's no question uh, that that home – Mm-hmm. Cook Mill for for Marshall in Huntington was a huge huge advantage. And late in that ball game, when they were able to make that drive to win to get the winning field goal, made a huge difference in the game. Yeah, yeah you have to make plays. We all know that. And I don't want to take anything away, but I'm just going to use that as an example. But yes, uh, if that game was played under 2020 conditions where there'd be no fans, I don't think that game would have had the same results. No, or the same type of swings where you've seen one team score 28 points in one half and the other team does the exact same thing in the second half. I just don't think you'll see those type of swings without the emotional response of a crowd. Well, Tim, 
you know, you're exactly right. And I'll go back to that uh, time period in 92 when we lost to Marshall and that, uh, and that heartbreak were made the big comeback. Uh, you remember 93, uh, the players in that team and Matt, Matt Umsch himself included our partner. We even talk about it. They call the, the horns of Huntington or something like that. And just the, the scene after the 92 game and the heckling and all the Marshall fans there and driving into uh, Huntington, that was their motivation to silence them. They wanted to silence the Marshall crowd. Um, and I believe that was the game where YSU came out and when within three plays was up 17, nothing. Right. And they, right. you know, took them out of it. Um, you know, I went back and watched the 97 game a couple of days ago against McNeese state. That was a neutral site for each team. Um, but when YSU got the turnover uh, and got the game-winning touchdown, you could tell the YSU crowd was – I mean, it was very vocal. You could hear them, and you could hear them urging on. It was definitely a pro-YSU yes. crowd that year. And one of the reasons behind that, believe it or not, was, of course, that was played in Huntington. Yes. Boise, mm-hmm. of course, you know, had a long distance travel to get to that site. Mm-hmm. So they probably weren't able to bring as big as a crowd as they would liked mm-hmm. uh, back then in 93 or 97, excuse me. But more than anything, uh, I was at that game. And when you ran into those who bought tickets at the beginning of the season, they had to for part of their season ticket pro yeah. uh, that were at Huntington. You know, mm-hmm. there were Marshall fans. They were rooting for YSU because they thought it was a great rivalry between the two schools. And each school handled themselves, you know, with, with high dignity yes. and class during those three years. So, uh, yeah, there's no question that that crowd was a pro YSU crowd in 97. And it did make a big, di- or, you know, or 94, I think. 97 yeah. was McNeese uh, Mc- uh, State. But needless to say, but you, you're right. I think it did. Um both those years that Marshall was not there uh, made a huge difference. And, uh, you know, Hey, um, it's, it's, it's amazing, but that's, you know, that's why we go to the games. That's why you cheer. Exactly. Uh, You know, you've been to many Notre Dame games. You've been to many uh, pro football games, baseball games. You, you Mm -hmm. know, when the crowds into the game, it changes the atmosphere of a game. Oh yes. And, And there's no question that players thrive on that. And, the lack of it changes the focus. It sometimes mm-hmm. takes time to, to adjust to the new scenarios that, that everyone is dealing with. But, um, you know, there's no question being on the road today with no crowd is a lot better mm-hmm. than being facing a crowd. And uh, you have to be prepared to play. And I think YSU basketball, we've seen that. they uh, When they went down to uh, Northern Kentucky, they, they struggled that first game, but the second game they came back and played strong. And it's mm-hmm. kind of maybe what the same scenario we'll see tomorrow after the Penguins uh, got, you know, got it kind of handed to them by almost 20 points, 18 points, 87, 69 today mm-hmm. uh, in a game where the first 10 minutes, the Penguins looked really good, but they dominated. From, yeah. yeah. From that point on though, they didn't really look uh, as strong as the game continued. And they really could, uh, I would give Cleveland state credit once they got con- control of the score at halftime by 10, they never really looked back. It got a little no. tight, maybe six points a, a couple times, mm-hmm. but never closer than that. And they really were able to have some great runs in that game. And now, why she was out, Quisenberry was just a huge loss to and the you Penguins. made that point last week. He's and, her. Yeah. And, you know, it showed because the 
the outside shooting, I don't know how much of the game you got to watch or see or listen to. I, it just was not yeah. it was not there in this no. game the way that 26%. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, Quisenberry, like you said last week, Tim, he why is she's gonna go as far as Darius Quisenberry takes this? Yeah. And while he has not started the season because he's been hampered by an injury, um, while he has not started the season while we're shooting the ball, his presence alone just opens up the whole floor. And you saw today um, where Cleveland State didn't – they could play off Bretan Mays and off Vargo and and off our other shooters, um, and they could just pack Bohannon down low, and that was the reason why Bohannon had four turnovers and zero points. Uh, but this Cleveland State team, you know, I know they came in two and three, but I watched them against Ohio State. Ohio State's a top 25 team today, although they got beat. But Cleveland State will fight you. And they're going to bring that intensity uh, for all 40 minutes. And like you said, the Penguins, the first seven, eight minutes of the game, up 19-11, looking really good without DQ. And then after that, like you said, it just – once Cleveland State got the lead and got a run – uh, YSU made it close here and there, but they could never really uh, sustain any sort of type of comeback. And that's all Cleveland State. Cleveland State played really well today, and YSU got their butt kicked. They just it, it was an old fashioned butt kicking um, shooting and Quisenberry. Yeah, and you know this team's going to have to shoot better. Uh, they came into the game shooting twenty six percent from three, shot I believe twenty one or twenty three percent today. That's not going to be anybody, especially yeah. not next week and when Wright State. Um, no, you're right. I, I watched the game on uh, ESPN Plus, and mm-hmm. you know, if it was 10 feet and in, they shot decent, it was 10 feet and out, it was just horrible. And yeah. you have to make those shots. They had some good open looks, too. And I'm not going to sit here and say they yeah. didn't have some contested shots, too. Obviously, you're going to have that in a ball game, but uh, you have to make those shots and uh, to stay in the game, especially on the road. And when you're down a player, it shows because the as much as this team's talent has improved over the last three seasons under Jerry Cahoon, you still see the lack of depth on the overall yeah. roster. And exactly that's right where there. this team in two, three years, we hope will be at a level where they will have depth, where if you're are missing a, a number one, that your number mm-hmm. two that falls in can be successful. You may not have to play at the, at the level of the one, but be successful in, in doing things. And I will say this, uh, Vargo is a player to watch. He's fun to watch. Yes. He, for a guy his size to handle the ball the way he does is impressive. And I think that is a young man who uh, is going to add a lot to this program as it continues to grow. Well, you saw last week uh, with Quisenberry against Northern Kentucky, especially in the second game, uh, he hit a couple of big threes out of the corner and he just spaces the floor. He, like you talked about, a guy that size that can handle the ball, that can shoot inside, that can shoot outside and put pressure on the defense, uh, he's raw. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's a friend. He's very raw. And him and Rattan Mays, and like you said, in a couple of years, once you build up that depth, uh, those two guys are going to carry you. And uh, it, You're 100% right. We don't have a guy behind Bohannon uh, without Jameer Thomas still. Um, and the overall guard play is still – it's young. It's very young. We're young yeah. in the backcourt. And uh, – Against these teams, uh, Wright State and Green Bay and uh, the Horizon League, like, exactly. Yeah, it, you're going to have a Horizon League this year. Majority of these teams are experienced, and uh, you hope that Quisenberry can get back out there. I don't know 
reason why he was out today. Was it injury or was it COVID-related? It was injury-related, an ankle, I believe. So it's still yeah. – so he's still hampered by that uh, preseason injury. Yeah. And unfortunately, Tim, uh, those ankles can linger for a while if you don't take care of it now. So yeah. in a it, weird year, in a crazy year, um, you hope he can get back sooner rather than later, but you got to get that thing healthy. Well, especially the way this season is designed – and, and I think it is perfectly designed under the circumstances of playing mm-hmm. back-to-back games at the same place to uh, reduce traveling and yep. and all the, the COVID situation that's going on. You're going to have to have weeks like last week where you, you split the road games. If you're on the road yep. and you split, you've had a that's okay. really good day, a good weekend. Um, you want to avoid being swept and – when you're at home, obviously the goal, and, and, and this is what Cleveland State's goal is, is to sweep, you know, at any home game scenario because mm-hmm. you're not going to come to Youngstown to play uh, this year because you played the two games in in Cleveland. So all the home games that are still lined up down at Bigley, I mean, these are the games where YSU has to be really ready to play and try to take both games. And, uh, again, when you're on the road, I mean, obviously, anytime you take two on the road, that'd be phenomenal. But I'd be really happy with splits the entire yeah, season. Yeah, on the road. Yeah, just yep. just get me a split in each weekend and, and see where it takes you. And, uh, you know, again, I think this team has a chance to to be really, really a, uh, a surprise team in the, in the league and has a chance to be a, a very uh, well, welcome uh, distraction this, this winter for uh, Northeast Ohio. So... Uh, but it needs its players to be healthy. It needs just like any, any other team. It has to deal with injuries and you're going to have to figure out a way to get by when your best players aren't available. And every team's going to go through this mm-hmm. uh, either injuries or COVID release re- related. And it's not going to get easy because um, there was, who was it today that announced that they're, they're suspending their basketball program for COVID. Uh-huh. It was a Division One school. I know the Duke been, women did yesterday. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. It was the, just the Duke women. But um, but I know there are other teams. Um, DePaul has not played a game yet. Yeah. They were looking to play their first game like 29th or 30th. Uh, there were eight teams going into this weekend that have not played a game yet. So, that's incredible. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not surprising, though. But it is it's heartbreaking to hear, to be quite honest. It is. It is because this is – you know, this is the time of year where you start getting into conference play and, you know, those matchups at the Beagle Center or match, you know, and it's just, it's very disjointed. It's, and baffles a rhythm sport. It's a, it's a huge rhythm sport. Um, and you have to get some consistency going. And it's going to be almost impossible for anybody to get some sort of rhythm and routine going uh, for a consistent amount of time right. this year. Well, you know, basketball for the most part is a two, a two game a week type thing, yeah. one middle week, one in the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the new schedule, you're going to play a lot of back to backs, at least the mid majors and stuff. And I mm-hmm. imagine some of the some of the uh, yeah. power five will be doing the same. So it's going to be difficult. Look, nothing you achieve this year in sports is going to be easy. No, and and nothing's going to be handed to you. So hey, you know you got to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you. With that, let's. Let's segue to the uh, to the final four for college football. Yes, as uh, as predicted, uh, the four teams have made it, and uh, for what the third straight year, Ohio State will play, take on Clemson, and 
uh, for the second time since uh, the the playoffs have begun is Notre Dame and, and Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Notre Dame and Alabama met uh, back from 2012 BCS National Championship game, the second to last, I believe, of the BCS title games. And we don't need to revisit that January <laughs> night. And, uh, but it seems to be a January tradition, Tim. You know, the Rose Bowl used to be the New Year's Day tradition. Uh, it's now becoming Ohio State and Clemson as the uh, New Year's tradition. And uh, ever since that last pick last year by Justin Fields in the end zone, the last couple minutes of the game, every Ohio State player and coach has been circling this stage. And uh, they get their chance to uh, get some type of revenge, get some type of uh, payback after a game last year, Ohio State, frankly, should have won by two or three touchdowns. Had it not been for a couple of mistakes and uh, errors on the officials. Yeah, um, well, again, uh, but you got to deal with those things, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, but you know, plays got to be made, and like you said, the opportunity that was there for Ohio State to win that game did not happen. Uh, Clemson then ended up really losing bad to Alabama the following yeah. week, and not a surprise. Uh, I think Clemson's upset that they got to face Ohio State again, and it should be an interesting game. I have no idea. I honestly yeah. I have no clue. You're, I can't sit you're here exactly right. Who's going to win? I'm rooting for the Buckeyes, obviously. But, uh, you know, who thought Sermon would run for 300-some yards last week? And, like I was talking to somebody on Christmas, nobody predicted – because he wasn't even the starting running back until a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because of a – a banged up master Tignus looking for some type of different, you know, explosiveness from the running game. Um, I can't sit here. Like you said, I can't sit here, Tim, and say, you know, it's going to be this way. It's going to be that way because we haven't seen Ohio State at full strength. The big 10 has changed their uh, quarantine managed from 21 days now to 17. And anybody that had tested positive prior to December 16th will be eligible to come back and play on Friday night. So this is, uh, it's, it, it, it's going to be really different. It's, uh, I don't know how this game's going to turn out. And you know what? Give the Big Ten credit here. Why play from a disadvantage that the other schools are not? Exactly. So put in a system where your players are available if they pass the test yep, and, exactly. and are healthy enough to play. Um I had no problem winning in the conference, having the, the rules that they had, mm -hmm. the 21 days, the, the strict, you know, protocols and all that. Now that you're in the playoffs, why put your schools at a disadvantage that the other schools you're facing are not doing? Now, if they adopted your strict thing, fair is fair. Yeah. Since you're, that was never going to happen. The only way to do it was find a medium that worked. And they found a, a, a date that works. You yes. know, they cut four days off yeah. of it and it makes it work. And it still looks strong compared to the other leagues. So 10 days. Yeah. Right. So give them credit where credit is due. Uh, is this circumventing it? Sure. You can, we can get through all that. But uh, when you really look at the numbers and the scenario, I give them, I give them credit. You've got, why let Ohio state be at a disadvantage that any of their opponents may not be participating at the same level. So you're hundred percent right. You know, getting back on the game uh, last year is dictated by Trevor Lawrence's legs. And I believe he was Clemson's leading rusher with 116 something yeah. yards. If Ohio state gives that up again, they're going to get blown out. Uh, they're going to get blown out. If they, 
if they let Lawrence run the ball like that, uh, they're going to get blown out. Because Ohio State's defense this year is not as talented. Often you lose, what, five first-round draft picks on with your whole defensive backfield got taken the first round, as did Chase Young. Um, so if they can control Trevor Lawrence, they can slow down Lawrence, like I said, I think they have a good chance. If not, it could be a long night. Yeah, there, you're, there's no question. That's what it comes down to. Can they make the adjustments during the game and control, you know, obviously the best player in college football and, and Trevor yes. Lawrence. I mean, let's give him credit where credit is due. Uh, he will be the number one pick in the NFL for a reason. And uh, I would be shocked if he isn't the number one overall pick. And I, I think we all know that. And quite honestly, he's earned the accolades that he has received. Yes, he has. And, uh, you know, this will be an opportunity, as you mentioned earlier, for Justin Fields to redeem mm-hmm. himself because last year he was really in line to be a Heisman Trophy winner. Yes. And, you know, th- just, you know, the numbers weren't there and then final voting, but uh, that interception really changed perception of him coming into this year. And let's qu- let's be honest. He's had a, a, a quality year, but he's not had a great year. No. And he, ha- and he didn't deserve to be in the final four this year in the Heisman uh, balloting. And, but if you have the opportunity to redeem yourself in a game where the eventual Heisman trophy winner is mm-hmm. playing and a team that you lost to, because, you know, unfortunately you weren't able to, you know, yeah. Finish the game off the previous year. I mean, all the motivations there and we'll see how Justin Fields handles this situation. And I'm really curious on a, uh, on a, a lot of levels to see how he does. Cause if he performs well, and if the Buckeyes win and he's really the, the difference in the ball game for the, for Ohio state's mm-hmm. offense, along with everyone else's needs to be, uh, you know, play their best game. But if he can lead this Buckeyes team to a victory, he will probably cement himself a top five pick in the NFL. And he may yeah. still already be there because he's a quarterback, but I definitely think he can jump, jump into the top 10 and top five. If he performs well this week, in the next week, yeah, this and week yeah. coming in uh, the following week, uh, if they win and succeed and get to the championship game. But yeah, uh, we're going to find out what type of a primetime player Justin Field is this week. And uh, all eyes are on him. All eyes are will be on that game because it's the most competitive game uh, for the last three years. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, and then you look at Notre Dame. Let's get into that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've, Stated on this podcast many times, uh, you know, Brian Kelly is to me one of them guys who's just he's a really good coach, he'll win you some ball games, he'll win some upsets along the way, but can he win a championship? And when a game matters, uh, I was really concerned that they lost a chance to play, uh, in the final four, uh, when they were down, uh, four touchdowns. It really at that point, I was like, oh my god, they're gonna play themselves right out of the championship. Yep. Yeah, you know, Tim, uh, we've talked about this a couple times in the podcast. Um, and I, as a fan, I believe he's maxed out his ceiling. It, you know, we've talked about ceilings for players and coaches on this podcast before, and I believe he's maxed out his ceiling. Um, I, I don't think um, that he's ever going to elevate you to that next level. Sure, he's going to upset some teams along the way. Um, sure, he's going to win some games here and there. But to be – 
to be a consistent championship program, no, it's, it's just it's not there. It, um, and I could un, and I could see, you know, if you lose like Ohio State lost last year to Clemson 29-23, or you know, you lost, you know, by a touchdown or so or last second field goal, but every game's been three or four touchdowns minimum by halftime, and it's and it's like over and over and over again. And, you know, last week. Nerdy was controlling that game the first 15 minutes of the game. You yep. drive down, get a field goal, come back, you into a mistake on a nice third down stop. Then you get the ball back, drive down, bad second and third down play call, but you still had a 25-yard field goal. That You should make a 25-yard extra point. That's 6 nothing. Clemson scores okay. But then you get the ball right back, and you drop a wide open fourth down. If he catches it, he scores. You know, it could be 13-7 going into – early second quarter and that's a whole new game but once it's 14-3 nobody in college football maybe outside of Alabama can make those many mistakes against Clemson and get away yeah and And that's that's the truth of the matter is you you know give Clemson credit they took advantage of opportunities and they cashed in while Notre Dame's opportunities came up short yeah and and flat quite honestly that was the flattest I thought I seen Notre Dame play they the entire season. After that um, drop fourth down catch, when they were, they were down seven three, it was like they were they were beat. They looked done. Yeah, they looked done. Um, yeah, they looked like a team that thought that had the impression of well, we're in. We don't need to win it. Whereas Clemson needed to make a statement and win the game to get in. Um, and it just it's no, but it was an avalanche. I like I talked about. Once that avalanche starts against Clemson. You're you're not going to stop it. You know, if you take away Lawrence's legs and you got ETN and, you know, you got the passing game. Uh, the good thing for Notre Dame is Mac Jones isn't going to run the ball as well as uh, Trevor Lawrence. But the weapons he has outside, good Lord, those guys are going to be first on draft picks yeah. this I mean, year. It's Alabama. Year. That, that's it. You know, um, to me, I think it's going to be Alabama Clemson for the title. I think those are the two best teams in the country. And, I know a lot of people are getting sick of it, but until you beat them, it's going to be that way. Well, you so, know, we said coming into Notre Dame or and or Ohio State is going to have to beat them to knock them off. Right. And sorry to interrupt you there, but we said going into the season, you can always pencil in uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio yeah. State, and there's a yeah. fourth that will be a part of the conversation. That fourth this year is Notre Dame. Last year yeah. is LSU, and you can go on and on down the line, but for the most part. Ohio State a few times were kept out when they deserved in. Uh, however, you know, that's the politics of the game, and there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do about that. And But like I said, going into every season, you can almost guarantee those three will be uh, in the conversation to be part of the Final Four. And, you know, it's not going to change, you know, for another few years, and then we'll have a renegotiation of a TV contract and – possibly an expansion to six teams or eight teams. I'm not saying it'll happen, but it could happen. Mm-hmm. We knew it wasn't going to happen this year because the contract's already written and the NCA and everyone's not going to give away games for free. And no. ESPN wasn't going to renegotiate. So, you know, these are the, these are the facts of life in sports. I mean, it's controlled by the money. The reason why everyone ended up playing was because of the money. And here we are, uh, 
thankful that the season has been played, thankful that we're at this level, and thankful that there is an opportunity to play the games. And the Rose Bowl is now in Texas this year, so uh, it happens. Uh, Rose Bowl was moved many years ago, I think during World Nin War II. Yeah, 19 uh, to uh, North Carolina. Yes, it was moved to Duke. Notre that, and that was Notre Dame's last time in the Rose Bowl. They beat that? Stanford. So hopefully uh, the relocation of the Rose Bowl can be on our side again. Yeah, you never know. And maybe gonna, it's maybe it's an omen. And we're going to hope and pray to God. If not, it's going to be a load of bed night New Year's, New Year's yeah, Day. And again, I understand it. Players do deserve to have their families there. Yeah. And I have no problem with that. Uh, and you know what? It's just another story of 2020. It's not the end of the world. No, they found a way like this. You know what? And I don't blame the state of California making the decisions they've made because they have they have to do what they think is proper and correct, not just for a football game, mm -hmm. but for the entire state. And yeah, you're going to upset some, and you're going to, and others will applaud you for your decision making, and and we move forward. And that's the way it works in America. I don't have a problem. I'm happy that the games will be played. I'm happy that the both teams will have a chance to have their family members there. And quite honest with you, you're in the largest stadium in America. So there's plenty yeah. of distance to have. Um, so it should be a safe environment for all. And that's all that in the end matters. And even though it's indoors, it'll be, you know, let's be honest. They'll have plenty of space uh, in uh, AT&T stadium to get that, uh, you know, kudos to all involved. And, uh, you know, like you said, Alabama's Alabama's number one all season long. Yeah. And it's going to be an uphill battle for Notre Dame. It is a hill they can climb, but like most games, when you have to climb that hill, you need two things to happen. You have to play close to a perfect game. Uh, Notre Dame will have to play close to a perfect game. And in the process of playing close to that perfect game, force Alabama into not playing their best game. Yeah, and, and that will give them the opportunity uh, to pull the upset on any given Saturday, especially in the circumstances of 2020. I don't rule out Notre Dame's opportunity to win, but I agree with you that Alabama is the favorite. Yeah, this is. I think we're going to see a more motivated Notre Dame team than we did a week ago. Um, I hope, and my my hope is that. Oftentimes, Brian Kelly coach teams coming in these games very tight, very conservative. Man, let it out. You know, let it out. Won't we saw Ohio State play Alabama a couple years ago in Myers' title? Uh, they were running receiver passes, and Cardell Jones was trucking people, and you know they threw they threw caution in the wind, and it paid off in a dominating second half. And the Buckeyes ultimately went on to dominate Oregon. I hope Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator airs it out. He's not conservative because you know what you beat Alabama is you be the aggressor. You can't beat Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State without being the and the only way to win a the only way to win a championship is to go and take it. Exactly. No, you have to be the aggressor. You have to make plays. I mean when in every Ohio sport. State, that's not just football. In every yeah, sport. Well you go back to when Ohio State won the national title a few years back. That's uh -huh. exactly what they did to Alabama in the semifinals game. They they took they it to five, them. They yep. made the plays that needed yes. to be made. Uh, yeah, you know, Jones made great plays in that game as the quarterback and mm -hmm. the defense came up big when they needed to. And that's what it's about. Look, in the end, all games are about making plays and the team that usually makes the most of them will win. Um, 
And the ones that are most clutch usually win. Uh, yep. In close ball games, every play down in the fourth quarter matters huge. And one mistake can change an outcome of a game and one big play. Uh, but we got to play the game and see how how it how they react. And I'm going to give you know Brian Kelly an opportunity to prove me wrong. And there's nothing better than that, right? Tim, uh, real quick, any projections for me? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I like Alabama, and I'm going to go with Ohio yeah. State. Okay. I'll go Bama, and I'll go Clemson. I just think those – like we talked about, those were two best teams all year, and I think we're going to see the two best teams meet on uh, January 11th. Yeah, well, we'll find out. I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think, quite honest with you, uh, I think the Clemson-Ohio State game will be a barn burner. It's going to be a great game, and someone's going to come out on top. How, Who that is – We'll have a daunting task in front of them um, yeah. if it's if it's Alabama, and but that's why you play sports. You know? Right. Uh, look at LSU last year. LSU had to win two big important games to win it all, and they did. Yep. And give them credit where credit is due. And the same with Ohio State when they won the title, they had to beat Alabama. They had to win the national title yep. game, and they did. And that's the way it works. And you can't change you know the setup it is who you know it's just like any tournament you know what you're gonna have to do to win you have to win in advance and then you have to win a championship and a four-game tournament and that's just the way it works and that's where uh these four schools are at and uh you know someone will be on top we'll find out here soon yeah it's uh obviously very exciting to uh, have football this year we talked about it we didn't think we're gonna have football um so I'm going to enjoy this week as my team's in the final four and pray that there is a Digger Phelps UCLA Bill Walton miracle somewhere. Hey, I said he get, he's good at upsets. So yeah, he's he never is. good at winning championships. We're so going to need one. He's going to, We're going to he, need an upset to get there. You can't play for the championship until you get this win. So we'll find out That's exactly right. wh- what happens from this point on with the, uh, with the Irish and, uh, Speaking real quickly right. of, of, of LSU, they let go of, of Bo Pelini this week. Yes. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he lands next as a D coordinator and what goes forward in his career. Obviously, the former YSU head coach, uh, mm-hmm. a former Nebraska head coach, went back to the Division One level this past year, signed a three-year contract, so they had to buy him out. Um, Big time buyout. Yeah, so we'll see where he lands and what he does next. We wish him the best not just as a uh, former Penguin head coach, but uh, someone from the Valley. So uh, I know it was a tough year for him. So, however, uh, you know, that's, that's how sports works, you know? Yeah. When you're, when you come in uh, to the defending national champions and you finish 124th out of 127 in total defense, uh, you, you got to realize that your job might be on the line and you know, that's LSU. It's not, you don't get a couple of years, you get one year and that's it. And, um, Part of me thinks, Tim, I think Bo might might go back to the NFL roots. It wouldn't shock uh, I wouldn't, me. It wouldn't shock when he's seen become a uh, defensive backs coach or you know something along those lines. Um, or, Tim, I could see him, you know what, saying I'm going to take a couple years off. I know he was back in town uh, this past weekend and maybe just enjoying his son's final year at Mooney and just taking a step back and evaluating where he wants to. Yeah. I mean, hey, sometimes things just don't work out. Yeah. And uh, I get it. Let's let's face it. When you you you're on the big time stage, you have to 
if you falter, someone's going to take a fall. Speaking of which, really weird move in Michigan this past week. Uh, it signified exactly what I thought was going to happen. Yep. Uh, they yep. fired their defensive coordinator, and that immediately wrote up flags in my mind saying, Hallball's not going anywhere. He's going to get no, an extension. He's not. Merry Christmas, Buckeye fans, huh? Merry Christmas football. How about that? Holy <laughs> smokes. He's going to get an extension. They love him up there, Tim. They love him. I mean, I, I'm not sure the fans love him, but no, the fans the, don't love him, but the AD loves him. Yeah. Look, he's not going anywhere. When when that happened, I says he's taking the fall and he's going to get a raise. Wow. Yep. Uh, I mean, I guess there's always the possibility to land in Detroit as the Lions head coach. Uh, yeah. That's always possible, um, just because of the scenario where it's at. And uh, I won't rule that out. But right now. Yeah, what a uh, what a gift to the Big Ten. Yeah, I know, right? That uh, uh, congratulations to Ohio State on winning the Big Ten Easting next year. Uh, congratulations to Ryan Day. You're now two and zero against Michigan um, and the Big Ten West. Well, you have a guaranteed scrimmage and your crossover game against that team up north. Because I read an article Tim a couple of days ago, and I, and I don't know if you caught it or not. It was. I clicked on the article that you shared from the Detroit Free Press and Mitch Album, mm-hmm. who writes, who right, I think does right. a fantastic, oh, he's fantastic, one of the best in the country, Tim. He wrote an article saying Michigan's defense is not to blame for this. The offense under Jim Harbaugh has been and continues to be the reason why Michigan has been basically irrelevant. Well, now, their defense has struggled. But the offense has been downright bad. 90% of the time when a defense is bad is because the offense, the offense. does not give the yep. defense enough opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can say the same thing in you know, LSU with with Bo Pelini. Yeah. It's not necessarily his fault that they were on the field as much as they were in the positions that they were. But, again, that's the ins and out of football. Yep. That's the way the – the brand works in a sense for football coaches, you know, going in that you can be hanging out to dry at any moment at any level. And it happens and it's never fun when you're on the cutting blocks. And, but yeah, if you told me, and I know a few Michigan fans and they were counting the days down uh, the last month of the season, thinking that this would be the end of Jim Harbaugh. And uh, they were three more years, baby. Yeah. Three? Uh, probably. I haven't heard if they, they announced it or not yet, but yeah, he got, it looks like he's going to get an extension. I, how do you recruit without getting an extension? I you can't, can't. do it. And we saw that here at YSU and John Haycock. Yeah, you can't do um, it. No, you, especially at that level, you just can't do it. You, you got to go into a recruit's home and sell them that you're going to be there during their time at school. Um, speaking of, you know, speaking of recruiting, um, we all know the job that Ryan Day has done uh, continuing and even I'll say uh, raising the level at Play America, offensive, especially receiver. Um, but you look at, I'm not big in recruiting because I think you got to develop these kids and it's on the coach to develop. Um, as the Fiesta highlights of last year has come on TV, I shut it off. Um, you look at the Ohio State recruiting. And we know where that is. That's one, two, or three in the country, no matter what you know publication you look at. And then you look at Michigan's recruiting, Tim, and they're getting excited when you flip a three-star offensive line recruit from Virginia 
I mean, that that's what this program has fallen to. It's you're not recruiting to beat Ohio State or Penn State or Wisconsin. You're just re, you're trying to recruit Virginia. I mean, you you should not be getting excited. Oh boy, we flipped a recruit from Virginia. No, no. If you want to be considered the big bad Michigan Wolverines, I mean, you got to do better than Virginia yeah. talent. I mean, no offense to Virginia, but come on. I. Come on, you know, Tim. I, you, you know, obviously three-star recruits are not as reeled about as four- and five-star recruits. So maybe they got a, maybe they got a, a rising star there. I don't know. I, you know, but uh, yeah. I'm not a big guy on ranking players like that. I'm not either. It is. You know what? I, 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 as you compare draft class or recruiting yes. class, it's the only way to do it. So. Yeah. But you're right. Uh, to get excited about flipping a, a uh, what is ranked as a three-star recruit from one school to another is not usually considered a a major win. Uh, usually, it's a four and five-star recruit. But uh, maybe he's underrated. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Maybe Virginia knew something that we did not know in uh, Ryan's Day and Alabama didn't know. It, right? Exactly. Hey, it, it can happen. Speaking, I don't. I just. I agree with you though. Recruiting. Did you see uh, uh, Doug Phillips' first class? I did not review it, so go ahead and talk to me about it. Tim, I tell you what, um, we have talked about, and it's been a big thing, as you know, when Jim Tress was here, the state of Youngstown. And I think Polini tried to do that also, and he did a great job getting Mark Wade. But the thing that I really love to see, two things. Phillips focused on Toledo and the Columbus-Cincinnati area. And he snagged four players from Toledo and a couple from Columbus. He actually took uh, Toledo Central Catholic's quarterback, receiver, and running back. Um, and I love to see that because the last time the Penguins dipped into Toledo for recruiting, they got this kid by the name of Jody Webb who turned out to be a Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Um, you got to go where the talent's at. Exactly. And the talent is going to be in the major areas of the state. And – you know, Toledo, Cleveland, uh, Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton, Youngstown, probably, kind of, yeah. you know, not necessarily in that order, but similar order uh, will be where the, the talent is in the state of Ohio. In Western PA, there's a lot of talent in the Pittsburgh area. You mm-hmm. need to get into that area and get it. Uh, up in Erie, there's talent. You know, that's where you're going to draw yeah. from. Recently. Now, obviously, it was it's known you have to get into Florida and get the speed and get the players from Florida or California. If you're so Texas, lucky yeah. that uh, Trestle did a couple times in his career, uh, Texas. I mean, obviously you have to do that to be successful and the more success your program has, the better chance you have to reach out to those uh, individuals who will be future stars for your football program. But yeah. Uh, yeah. In the state of Ohio, that's where the, that's where the population's at. That's where the players are at. And you have to get into those schools that are successful that have a program and, and get those offensive linemen, defensive linemen and backs and uh, quarterbacks, whatever it may be and, and be successful, but you're right. No, it's very good to see him get into Toledo and the Columbus market and, and bring in uh, new players into this program. And hopefully as uh, the years go by, you know, Youngstown has had, a less impact than it's had had 
over the last 25 years, but it's also a smaller market than it used to be 25 years ago. So well, you have to be that. realistic. And uh, I'm a big believer in, and there's, there's some great talent in the Pittsburgh area and oh, in, yeah. in uh, Erie area. So uh, you just got to reach out to the, to the East too, and try to get some of that talent. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's an, it's a good beginnings under a new program, a new leadership of Doug Phillips, but uh, not surprised that he goes by the Trestle playbook. Uh, most of the coaches who have followed Jim Trestle here have, and they've been successful mm-hmm. uh, to a certain level. Uh, the thing, the thing, and you can speak to this, Tim, but when Trestle's here and recruiting, the common theme that he, that you can take away from his recruiting classes where he recruited kids that came from high school programs that won. And you look at where Doug Phillips got kids from in this shortened uh, pandemic abbreviated class, Medina, Toledo Central Catholic, St. Francis de Sales, Poland, you know, all these schools have won. Um, all of them have tasted, they've all tasted success at a, a higher level. Four of those kids have played in state championship games. Yeah. So, there's the common denominator there. You are correct. And not a surprise um, that some of the best talent plays for, for better teams. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. Uh, you can find some great talents that played on lesser teams because they're just in that community versus uh, a larger community or a, or a more talented community. But yes, uh, that's not a surprise. And in the end, it's about recognizing talent, convincing them that this is where they belong to further their education and playing careers. And hopefully, uh, you know, Doug Phillips hasn't won a game yet. So let's see what he does on the field. Let's see, you know, what is, it's been an impressive year for him taking over the program yeah. when he did um, to be in a scenario that they are with the rest of uh, the championship series. And we'll see. Um uh, you know, I think it's it's an opportunity. And, you know, like everybody else, you deserve the opportunity to succeed as much as you deserve the opportunity to fail. And let's let him have his opportunity to succeed because uh, he hasn't done anything yet. You know, spring football was taken away from him. So he never had that opportunity. Uh, they had a small semblance during the summer, but they yeah. never got started. And now, you know, come the new year, they're going to have an opportunity to get on the field and play a abbreviated season. And we're going to have a chance to evaluate everything this program is about going forward. And hopefully, uh, you know, continue success for the Penguins. Yeah, you have, uh, and we'll touch on this as a new year comes around and we uh, start up the ice cast report again as uh, we start February 21st. But I talked to a lot of people and, you know, we play eight games this year and Call me nuts, call me biased, say I have my red and white goggles on, whatever you want to say. Tim, look at that schedule, and I can see four wins. I can see five and three, you know, four and four. And that's not great. You know, that's not something to go down uh, Fifth Avenue streaking about. But there are games there that are winnable. I don't think we have an overall talent issue. Uh, We have to clean up some areas. We have, you know, know, some schemes – but, you know, we can break it down as, as uh, a kickoff to North Dakota State gets closer. But I see three, four, five wins possibly from that schedule. Well, I really know, do. 
it's so it's so cliche, but it's so part of sports. It's one week at a time and one opportunity at a time. And I'm not saying you can look at a schedule and can't say, oh, hey, there's opportunities to win ball games here. I agree with you. You can do that. And we yeah. all do. But if for this program to succeed, kind of like the Cleveland Browns, it's one week at a time. Week and by week, is, yeah. This is the challenge in front of you. And, you know, look at the Browns this year. They've never really gotten to the point where they look that far ahead. And they got 10 wins and they play the Jets this week. And you haven't heard them talk about the Steelers game. They talked about the Jets and how important this game is for them on the road in New York. Is, so uh, is that game I, still scheduled as of now? Because the last time I saw they had delayed their flight and closed down the facility. I have is not that, heard that. No, I have not yeah. heard any difference from that. You know, I know they, uh, I know they closed on their facility and delayed their flight, but I don't know. If, uh, the NFL has announced anything since. I have not heard a delay of yet. It's, Let's see. Right. Last I heard is Brown's linebacker Goodson's out for the game with a positive COVID test. Um, As of whoever um, Nate Yorick is, he is up here, buddy. He's a Cleveland Browns beat reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal, and he says, as of 38 minutes ago, um, the NFL is still finalizing contact tracing within the Cleveland Browns who have not left for New Jersey yet. All right. Um, so, and the Browns released a statement three hours ago saying, earlier today the Cleveland Browns were informed that a player's test results have come back positive for COVID-19. Our facility is closed and our flight to New Jersey has been delayed while contact tracing is being conducted. The team is holding meetings remotely as we continue to consult with the NFL and the medical experts the appropriate next steps as the health and safety of our players, coaches, staff, and entire community remains our highest priority. So it, Tim, yeah. if things, you know, hopefully nothing serious comes to this. You want to play the game at one o'clock, you want to leave tonight. You know, it's not a long trip from Cleveland to New Jersey by plane, but we could be looking at a Tim Constanza special of Tuesday night football. Tuesday night football works for I me. I tell you what, that would be a. Uh, I'm not sure I'd want to play Tuesday night football with a uh, playoff game against Pittsburgh the next week on a short rest. But hey, you know what? They could probably adjust that game. Quite honest with if, you. Yeah, um, you're right. And if I they can move it to Monday, office, they can move it to a Monday yeah. night. Because there is no Monday night football on week 17. Oh, there isn't? No. Well, yep, you're right then. They I mean, they can make an adjustment. It yeah. can happen. Uh, I'm not saying it will happen, but this is the story we're out to keep an eye on. You're right. Uh, uh, it's developing as we do this podcast. So uh, right now, I would say it's probably 50-50 that they play a game. And that's mm -hmm. just my guess. I have no idea. Maybe even less than that, be quite honest with you. Uh, with the closed facilities, um, yeah, they may push the game to Monday night. Uh, like five o'clock type thing first and see if they can play then. If they can't, they may push it to Tuesday, but yeah, Tuesday to me makes most sense to give both teams mm -hmm. an opportunity to prepare. And then if, you know, there were talk about moving the Browns game with, uh, with the Steelers to Sunday night on week 17. Now they week 17 is weird because they don't necessarily have to have a night game that no. week. They've had weeks where, Everyone played by four o'clock. Mm -hmm. uh, You're exactly right. And not had a primetime game in week 17 because of the scenarios. But this year, uh, everything's off. Uh, it, they could push it to a Monday night game 
and I don't think people would really complain. Uh, it would be a short week going into a playoff week for the winning of that game and the importance of that game. Hey, you got to deal with it. Just like right. we're talking about Notre Dame and Ohio State and Clemson and everybody else you know, and Youngstown State and, and basketball, you got to deal with the circumstances that are in front of you. And um, these, you want to play football this year. Sometimes you have to make uh, real sacrifices to get it done. And uh, if the game is delayed Monday or, or Sunday to Monday or Tuesday, so be it. If you can play the game, then you do it. And if you have to make an adjustment the following week to either a Sunday night game to give them a little bit more time or a Monday night game, okay, you just do what you got to do. That's, that's part of being a professional. It's part of understanding the circumstances that you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can live with that. And, but yeah, it does right now, I would say it's less than 50% chance the Browns are playing Sunday afternoon as of this moment at 521 in the afternoon on a, uh, on a Saturday. Can they, you may know more, more about this than I do. Can they move the game to 430 tomorrow? Yeah, they can okay. do that. They can do that. They can flex it anywhere they want. They can move it to, to tomorrow night if they want to. Uh, yeah. I don't think they will. Uh, I think they'll move no, I think it to Monday. Best bet is, I think yeah. they'll move it to Monday night Monday. and try to play Monday night. And if they can't play Monday five, night, they'll yeah. flex it to Tuesday night. Because mm-hmm. uh, I there's, you know, there should be a Monday night game in week 16. So if it does, it'll yeah, be like an early uh, game, like around five o'clock. Um, but they could flex it to a Tuesday just as easy and give uh, the Browns that extra day or two to get past this COVID scenario and play Tuesday evening and have it on national TV uh, on CBS or uh, or Fox, whatever the one has the game this week. I assume it's CBS uh, and it could, ha- it could happen. They could play it. 3.30 in the afternoon again, too. So I yeah. guess anything's available. Yeah, I didn't know if they uh, if they moved that back because I heard that uh, they closed them facility and delayed the flight. So yeah, it's Hope a precarious situation. Sake. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I tell you what, I think they'd rather go through this than uh, be talking about a coaching change or a quarterback change or uh, the top the top five picks. So, you know, uh, for many years. wants to deal with COVID, but. You know, for many years, Zach Jackson has said it's Berea. You know, it's December in Berea. This year, it's not December in Berea. No. I mean, uh, it's a different scenario. We're not talking about draft picks. We're not talking about new coach searches or new GMs uh, and new regimes. Uh, So it's a totally different uh, feel. But, yeah, uh, you know, it hits every team. I don't care who you are, where you're at. This is going to be part of it. And you got to deal with the punches that are thrown to you. And you got to survive it. And exactly uh, the Browns right. are now in this scenario, whatever the case may be, why they had an outbreak. We can talk about that in so many different ways, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't matter. This is the scenario you're dealing with. Deal with the scenario that's in front of you. And hopefully the NFL, you know, NFL has been through this all season long. So yep, um, kudos to them for the most part, they've made good decisions and uh, hopefully they'll continue to do this. And I'm my guess right now. And it's purely a guess that, Tuesdays looks a little better than Monday because mm-hmm. I think they would rather not have two games on Monday. I think they'd rather have a Monday and a Tuesday game, yep. uh, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, they may not be playing tomorrow afternoon. No, uh, no. And I think you're right. I think Monday or Tuesday seems likely with uh, Tuesday being the more likely scenario. And if 
if uh, there is a more widespread outbreak than uh, just a linebacker placed on. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Hey, uh, you know, we can get into the Browns, but I mean, we just talked about them and what's going on. And, yeah. Uh, you know, hey, the bottom line is they got the Jets this week. And if they play that game as scheduled, which they haven't canceled any weeks. No, they've not. They have not. They've moved them around a lot, but they've played them. Uh, they even, you know, if I think they'll even play Wednesday if they have to. They'll play Wednesday if they actually have to. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what what transpires going forward. Uh, look at the Steelers. Uh, they played three games in 13 days or 12 days. So it, it can happen. Yeah. And uh, every team's going to go through it. So uh, don't be surprised if there's a, uh, like you said, a, uh, a change in the schedule tomorrow where the Browns aren't playing and gets moved to uh, – you know, Monday or a Tuesday uh, ball game. And I think we'll find it. out here in the next couple of hours. Yeah, I think, you know, matter of fact, we might find out what you said. Uh, it's 525 right now. I imagine within the next hour or two, you're right, we'll have a, a an answer because they may wait till tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. saying get on the get on the flight, get out here to New York and play and we'll fly you right back. Um It'll be precarious, to say the least. Yeah, it will. Yes, it will. It'll definitely be uh, interesting. I think we'll definitely see an answer here probably by 8 o'clock tonight. I think I'd like to make a decision by 8 o'clock on the nights. Yep. One last thing to to give a shout-out to. The the Reds, the Liverpool, are back on top of the table. Uh, Looking good. Had a 7-0 win uh, last week. Now they have the uh, goal difference in the league, and uh, they play tomorrow. Happy Boxing Day to everybody. Hope you enjoyed your day. Uh, happy Kwanzaa to those celebrating that, and mm-hmm. uh, Happy New Year's is j- just around the corner. And yes. tomorrow morning, uh, I'll be watching football. I'll be watching the Reds. <laughs> I'll be sleeping in. Yeah. Uh, it's mid mid morning day, so should be okay. Good. <laughs> All right, Anthony. Uh, Let's see if we can get together maybe right before the New Year's and yeah. uh, preview yeah, those yeah. four games and, and see what's going on. Until then, uh, any last thoughts? Uh, no, not really. Just beat Crimson Tide. There you go. All right. Go Buckeyes. Go Notre Dame. Let's, let's, right. have, a really go interesting, let's have a really interesting uh, championship game uh, uh, for this part of the world. All right. For Anthony and Canfield, I'm Tim here in Borman. Wish you all a wonderful good day. And we will talk to you soon right here on Radio MVP.